I always laughed at that in the title too. It's like why why didn't you why? just call it capital M mother no exclamation point? Like would that have taken anything? From because it? art. <laughs> I learned about this last week in film school. Uniquely styled titles are deep. <laughs> Show. Hello everyone and welcome to Talking During the Movie, the show where two jagoffs talk about new movies and movie news. I'm Mike. And I'm James. And uh, this is episode number 84, uh, which we are calling Rogue One, a Mike and James story. And uh, oh, look at that. Disney just bought us. Oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, we're up. Oh, well, we're, gonna, we're done. That's it. Yeah, we actually we can't in good faith uh, review this movie. Well, uh, I think it's probably a contractual obligation that we do review it and that we give it five stars, which if you know anything about us, we don't do that. But no. as part of our contract, we give Star Wars The Last Jedi a five-star rating. Now, if you want to uh, hear what we actually think, continue help us, listening. Help us. Mickey Mouse is holding a gun to our head. Ho, ho. <laughs> I'll pull uh, your fucking brains out. Ho, ho. Corporate conflict of interest, my ass, bitch! Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. They all float down here. Oh, God. Um, okay, uh, uh, so I think I'm, I want to apologize because, you know, we, after our, you know, three episodes in a row, we did have a, you know, a week off. Um, and that's because we originally planned to review uh, three billboards outside Synecdoche, New York. Um... <laughs> Wait, no, three billboards uh, uh, outside Manchester by this. No. Can you uh, can you imagine? I mean, just honest to God, combining those movies. <laughs> Holy <Amazing>. shit! <laughs> uh, yeah. So. So uh, we originally planned to review three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, I believe. <laughs> well, um, but, uh, and so uh, I like, and Mike was like, "That's the one. We're gonna do it. You go out and see it." So I, I like, I rushed to see it. I actually like missed the first showing because it was sold out at the Pickford. Good for the Pickford. Um, and I was really mad, so I was able to see it like a few days later, and I was like, "Okay, yeah. all right, I see it, Mike. Have you have you seen it yet?" And he's like, "No." And yep, and and turns out I'm incompetent. Big surprise. <laughs> so it's all Mike's fault, is what I'm telling you. All of it. It's not that. It's not that. I t- I told him I would contact him over the weekend and yesterday, and you know didn't do either of those things. It's not. It's not on me. It's on oh Mike. no. It's all on me. It's all my look, fault. look, Mike. You're, it's you're the first one in all of our all of our titles. Okay, the bus got to stop with you. It okay, starts okay. with you at very least. But can I can I justify it in this one way at least? Because of my negligence, we now this episode get to review two Disney films mm-hmm. at a time when Disney is basically the movie news. In fact, Disney is basically the movies. <laughs> Disney, which has just acquired 21st Century Fox. Um, or at least finalize the deal to acquire 21st Century Pending a possible challenge from the federal government? Yeah, possibly. Is um, basically setting itself up to control about 40% of the movie-making industry and about 40% of the television-making industry in this country. Um, Disney will now own The Simpsons, The X-Men. Actually, my favorite observation was... uh, that, oh thank God! Now, now Hank Hill can be in Avengers Four. <laughs> um, like, it, seriously, I'm kind of like I, I think um, I just saw an article that said uh, the most valuable movie property that Disney will not own is James Bond. 
which mind you is a pretty valuable movie property but still like but everything it doesn't own godzilla does it uh who knows i don't i mean it just it could i'm just saying it is kind of intimidating at this point how much of my childhood disney owns yeah it'd be interesting to see all the, the the horror movies that disney got from that I don't know. I did. I did read in one of the hilarious omissions is that it does not, it, it, in, not included in the deal was was Fox News. Um, so. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, it was 21st Century Fox that they bought, which is the which is a uh, a movie and TV production. Company. Yeah, no. I was just like, ha. <laughs> you think they were like, hey, do you guys want Fox News too? And they're like, ah. Nah, nah. Get that shit out. Well. <laughs> You know, we'll talk to you. We'll talk. We'll we'll think about it. We'll have to, I mean, We'll get back to you on that. You know, I'll, I'll have my people call you people. Sign sign right here, please. <laughs> Quite frankly, they should buy it. And just yeah. Fuck that shit up. I mean, the the fucking Murdoch. No, sorry. Uh, freaking Coke endorsed company bought up Time. I know, right? <laughs> so R.I.P. Time, I guess. I'm I'm looking forward to Mike Pence being Person of the Year next year. <laughs> They won't just do Donald Trump again? God damn it. I actually forgot that he had been... I thought it was like Angela Merkel was last year, is what I thought. Turned out she was two years ago. And then, yeah, Trump was last year. He's been on the. He's been on more covers than any president ever. Including the fake one that's hanging up in all of his golf clubs. Yeah. That he made. He made a time... It's not that... It's not that forget about Richard Nixon being on there at least three times as, many, as much as oh, Donald God. Trump. Yeah, right. And also forget the, the forget the the embarrassment of a grown ass septuagenarian president apparently needing. To I know, be, I know. Like, 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 what a pissing content. Anyway. Like, this is my this is my nightmare. What's happening right now? You understand that? Mm-hmm. You remember my my nightmare talking politics during the movie? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so yeah. Disney. Fucking corporate capitalist pigs. Uh, um, yeah, so no. Disney. Uh, um, uh, yeah, sorry about oh, that. Sorry. Oh, whoa. We got it's, it out of our uh, system. It's flu, it's flu season. Sorry, now, guys. in this, we will attempt to go this entire Star Wars without talking about, uh, you know, fascism, totalitarian governments. Uh, um, individualism versus collectivism, uh, Ayn Randian, in, uh, you know, objectivism. You know, none, 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 none of that stuff. That all has anything to do with Star Wars. Fuck all to do with it. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think we will gonna t- we are gonna t- start with Star Wars first because it's probably like the most relevant. That's why, that's why everyone's right. here, right? Yeah, true. You're all here to hear us talk about Star Wars. I do want to apologize though, again, because if you listen very closely, you can hear a vacuum. Oh, sh- okay. Uh, d- you said you wanted to talk about it, Mike. Oh, that was fu- you. Oh, I did. I did say we should put a disclaimer. That's right. I'm sorry. I felt the... I was going to do the disclaimer, James, and then I felt your accusatory voice. You know? <laughs> it's, it's my I'm smooth, so- accusatory podcast voice. This is not a technical glitch. There's, unfortunately, apparently some work being done above me right now, and uh, my microphone is just too sweet and awesome, and uh, it is picking up Apparently that sound, unless I speak very loudly and very closely into the microphone, um, which is kind of cramping my neck. So I'm going to do the best I can, but the sound's probably going to creep in a bit. Um, and that's the other big news, that Mike has uh, a new ripped and sweet microphone. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, that's uh, the only reason we could hear the vacuum right now, because his microphone exactly. is so good. 
and if I don't have the vanity, or I'm sorry, I have too much vanity. I, I have to record with this. I can't just use the, the shitty built-in microphone that I, I've been using for the, the last many shows. Um, yeah, no, it's not gonna. It's unacceptable. No. Unacceptable. Unacceptable. I'm not happy, Mike. I, I'm not happy, Bob. Um, speaking of Disney, that could just be a segue to every every one of our every one of our subsequent podcasts now yeah, from here on it's just, speaking um, of disney <laughs> speaking of disney the new godzilla is out like honestly james would you be surprised at some point disney acquires toho uh i would not i would not be surprised at all no i'd be maybe a little upset honestly know. and honestly at this point if they, if they acquire universal we're fucked we're that's the fucked. thing so i'm i'm really uh i've been really torn on the the idea of a new godzilla um, just because like Shin Godzilla was so good, and I think it represented for the first time in a long, long time exactly what the the original Godzilla represented, mm-hmm. Gojira. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm wor- I'm worried that subsequent sequels will take the exact same path, like history's repeating itself um, with the Godzilla, which is that it just like spiraled out of control. <laughs> into is, ridiculousness because it uh, no longer had any meaning. It was just about any meaning. It was just about big monsters. This is a very interesting and effective, actually, su- surprisingly effective segue into our discussion about Star Wars, I think, because one of the conversations that by its very nature we have to have, and that applies here too, is how to handle legacy franchises, right? Do you... Do you repeat history because it's what's familiar? It's what's it's it's what people are expecting, or do you take or do you take chances and do something that, you know, aesthetically or superficially is different, but that ultimately adheres more to the spirit of of what the original property represented? Um, and I would agree with you that like Shin Godzilla was absolutely the latter to the to the benefit to to its benefit, I think, um, and that it runs the risk of, you know, if it's in it, it basically, if the investors are not in the mood for taking too much risk, uh, you know, the, the series is in danger of just recycling the absurd, increasingly absurd kaiju, awesome balls to the wall action that characterized most of the original Godzilla films. Um, well, and, and I want to disclaim too that I do, I'm, I'm really excited for the Godzilla anime, which is out in Japan right now. Hey, Japan, fuck you. Uh, share it. Come on. Fuck you. Thank you for making all the things I love. <laughs> yeah, that too. Uh, it's gonna be out and on Netflix, I think, in 2018 for in the in the U.S. and other Western territories. Um, but I'm pretty excited for that because it seems like bold. You know, like it, it's not going to be a Godzilla I've seen before. Yeah. Um, so and that's it, another thing. You gotta you gotta go there. You know, like if I'm you're actually. Not, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I mean, if you're if you're gonna keep making you know Godzilla movies, despite the fact that you know you you're not you're gonna have like that that ingrained you know social meaning to them, I suppose. Then you gotta you gotta you gotta go there. You gotta go places that it hasn't that you, the series hasn't gone before. Which metal look, that's metal. a big ass series. So that's hard to do. Godzilla versus the uh, God, Godzilla versus the NSA. Godzilla versus Hank. You know. We gotta make it. Ca- <laughs> we gotta make it relevant. Um, <laughs> I, I, although, aren't you happy though? At the very end of the day, aren't you happy that the genie, as far as Godzilla is concerned, is out of the bottle? 
Oh like, yeah, it, like, definitely. Like, like there's no more being dormant for ten years. No matter what, this this property's back. Um, this, this property's back out there. People are gonna see. It's kind of like how we don't have to have a Spider-Man origin story again. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. Spider-Man's here. All right. He's here. He's here. He's here to stay. And, uh, it, yeah, you know, just as ba- way worse than the raindrops falling on my head sequence in Spider-Man Two. Can we, you know, the the, the for you musical montage from the amazing spider-man 2 um <laughs> sorry i just why does that never get brought up you know yeah i know well i mean it just I, I feel like it's because that scene like perfectly blends into the background of a of a by and large trash movie of whereas, lar- whereas lar- raindrops you fall on my head stands out like a sore thumb when you're just like what the fuck <laughs> like, like, what student won a contest to get his two minute <laughs> short in Spider Man Two? His name is Sam Raimi, <laughs> and he's Sam Raimi is awesome. I, I, I truly love the man as a filmmaker. Um, I don't know what that sequence is doing. In <laughs> um, regardless, this is. I, I, I found a way to, you know, I, I, I proceed from making our tangent on Godzilla relevant to our discussion on Star Wars to now completely taking us off the rails. So let us say, uh, hey, look, throat clearing tangents. That's that's talking during the movie at its finest, man. That's our show. That's, 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 you're right. You're right. I think I'm self-conscious. But you know what? This is back to this is back to form. Um, this is our this is our bread and butter. So we're, we're doing this. Um, I'm just going to steer steer this ship back to the main conversation for the time being. I'm sure I'll end up talking about fucking Spider-Man. It's always Spider-Man. It's always, always Spider-Man. <laughs> um, but we do need to have this same discussion that we just had on Godzilla about this little indie film that just came out. Might have heard of it called Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi. The Last Jedi. Oh, man. Yes. So... Everyone knows about me that I'm like a, you know, I'm like a tool, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I know. Like I mean, I, I know that. I know that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's like people are all like, "Oh yeah, Star Wars: The Force Awakens," and I'm like, eh. I like Rogue One, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I like That's lots you. of Rogue One. That's your. But the Force Awakens, in my mind, was little more than like a launching pad like that and that was my most favorable reading of it was that it was like it was like a launching pad that took absolutely zero risk and was perfectly fine with with repeating to the t plot lines from well i was gonna say plot lines from the original star wars trilogy but it's really just star wars episode four um and just serving the purpose of creating new possibilities yeah. so the last jedi and i think my, my friend wyatt actually he uh, when we sat down to watch the movie he's like wow today we get to find out whether or not the force awakens was a good movie <laughs> ah, that's a good way to put it actually yeah, yeah because it's so it's so dependent on whether on how on how original uh, on what it was really a setup for yes exactly exactly yeah, it was it's it, it my most favorable reading of it was that it was a, a perfectly entertaining setup so mm-hmm. what did it set up? Well, yeah, it's, it's not, uh, well, not the Empire Strikes Back. That's for damn sure. Whoa, 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 whoa! No, you're totally right. 
Yeah, okay. <laughs> I was like, um, so. I mean, there there everyone, are. Yeah, that was the film everyone had in their mind going into this, right? Was well, of course, yeah. It's, it's the second one. We knew another, it was going to be darker. Yeah, the 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 um, as a American dad puts it, the all is lost moment. Uh huh. Yeah. The all is lost moment. <laughs> I uh, I will say though, that you know, there's all this there's all this conversation about like like rhyming, right? Yeah, in in film, uh, which when George Lucas says it's about the prequel trilogy, it's laughable, but it's actually it's you know, true though. It's 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 a good, it's accurate and it's a good uh, illustration of how you know, of actually how to construct a good series. I, I think rhyming is important, yeah, as much know, as it's a theme. <laughs> and I'm sort of going to come out with one portion of my my feelings about this, and and that's that while there are there are some, I, I, you know, it's not, it's not a okay. So while there are some serious echoes of both Empire Strikes Back and oddly enough, Return of the Return Jedi, Jedi, absolutely, yeah. Um, this somehow doesn't feel overall like either of those movies. Mm. No, and I really enjoyed that. Me too. So that that's, uh, and we would definitely going to go into detail about it, but that is part of my feelings on the Last Jedi. Um. So your your impression overall, your your take is positive. Yes, yeah, definitely. Okay, I want to make sure uh, mine is two, um, and I was actually kind of horrified to because I, I actually stayed far away from uh, reviews. Oh, uh, me too. I had no before, idea. So this was the best. I didn't I didn't even see a glimpse at the color of a Metacritic square. No, nope. no, me neither. <laughs> I had no idea. Um, and actually, looking it up afterward, I, I'm I was pleased to see that most you know most critics felt the same way as i did but um james did oh, wait you know that- this is episode 84 yeah did the last jedi have an 84 on metacritic 86 dude damn it the uh this but- is episode 86 uh, no. uh what happened to the other two well we deleted them <laughs> we can do that we have power yeah um, <laughs> the the fan base is surprisingly split on this movie. A lot of people hate it. Uh, man, I haven't I haven't seen that. Where's the Oh, shit. I just looked at the user score 5.0. Mhm. Holy shit. I've never yeah. it's with more negative reviews than positive. Yeah. That is amazing. Yeah. I did not um, know this. Ooh. The IMDb oh, score is not low, but it's not nearly as high as I was Is it lower than Rogue One? I don't what's Rogue One at this point? I have no idea. I don't know no how to idea. answer. Then I don't know how to answer that question. <laughs> um, Google, I don't know. <laughs> Rogue oh, One is at a seven point eight on IMDb. It's, it's higher than that, but not by much. And uh, considering it just came out, and we'll probably get at least ten times more attention. Uh, it, it, it's got about a tenth of the user uh, responses that um, that The Force Awakens has. So mm-hmm. it's expected to go down from there. Oh yeah, uh, no, yeah. It's at a eight eight point one. Yeah. Yep. Oh, eight point. It's still at one point eight point one. Okay, um, which is not again not bad, but knowing what happens to these movies, I'm actually it'll probably end up settling around like a seven point five, seven point six. Um, okay. I think that's I think that's awful. I I think that that is not. I mean, I mean, in and of itself, not terrible, but just knowing how IMDb rates movies, like for for people to rate a Star Wars movie that poorly, like that's that means they hate. That means like 
<laughs> a lot of fans hated this movie. Well, yeah, I mean, I think it seems like that might be born out of sort of like a like a purist interpretation of characters as the monoliths they knew them from the original trilogy. As people who don't change. Yes, like, exactly. Like real, so like they're, they're very humans. resistant to change. I think like someone just told me, you know, that in every in every generation there's been a social change that the older generation doesn't understand and then becomes conservative. And I think for a lot of people, it's it's Star Wars: The Last Jedi. Oh, that, that's really the defining moment. This is where we become Reaganites. Is that is that what you're <laughs> well, saying? Well, not me. I'm okay with the change, but <laughs> oh, I love the change. It's um. I, I will say though that I'm not certain that this movie sticks its landing. Oh, it that's that's interesting. So, and, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure how you know. I don't feel the same way. Um, I was I was actually. It's it's funny because I was a bit shakier at the beginning and it slowly won me over more the the longer i watched yeah i mean i'll i'll definitely i'll i'll have to we'll have to get into spoilers which you know we've talked over and over again about maybe we should just always have a spoiler warning but but still you know i feel like we should at least have a you know a a trajectory for our (laughs) discussion of the movie yeah Um, and i mean i mean we can we can do without for the time being but yeah we'll, we'll have to get into it um yeah so i mean long. the last jedi if you haven't seen it it picks up oddly enough like seemingly right after mm-hmm. the the force awakens which usually in star wars movies there's a oh, there's a jump you know mm-hmm. about this like, one is like an indeterminate amount of time <laughs> yeah this one is like rays right you know they've just they've just escaped the uh you know the the blast of the star killer base the rebels and meanwhile and they're Rey in is, they're being pursued by the uh by the first order yep and, and uh, meanwhile ray is on the island with with luke exactly where where you where you left him on the her, cliff her, her arm's starting to hurt from holding up that lightsaber yeah seriously so been, can you just take this please it's, it, it's been like a week I, <laughs> do, do something <laughs> do something um and uh, yeah and you uh, it's kind of a setup right out of the empire strikes back right where you have like the rebels in this desperate situation and uh the the protagonist of the series the the aspiring jedi off seeking out a potential master someone to train her in the ways of the force and that is like that was the setup for this that was why i think i think fans you you were really prepared for empire strikes back too yeah they were going into this just like it's going to be Empire Strikes Back too, and apparently, just in between, uh, you know, in, in between 20, 2015 and now, apparently, everyone decided that they actually don't mind the fact that they played it safe the first time. That it was just a carbon copy of um, of the original Star Wars. We want to just see remakes of all of our old favorites, not do anything new whatsoever. So you Luckily, were very like cynical and bitter in the first like ten minutes of this movie, is what I'm getting. <laughs> Oh no! I liked no no no. I was just I was just trying to find my footing. I'm just okay. saying I, I I'm bitter that the same people who were decrying the um the Force Awakens for being trite, um ever for for recycling plot elements that we're gonna pretend were original when the original Star Wars came out and weren't a recreation of the old hero's journey story arc laid out by Joseph Campbell, um. That those same people are now apparently wanting only a retro film, only a rehash of one of the original trilogy movies, and 
are just like completely inured to adding to or branching out this universe in any way. Okay, yeah. Um, so the so the people who are now upset at the Last Jedi were should should not have been upset at the original. Is what you're saying? I at uh, Force Awakens. I mean, if, if you're gonna be upset that they did something different, then why are you? Why were uh, you mad at? Uh, why were you mad at the Force Awakens? And see, yeah. and see, that's why I, I love the Last Jedi. You know, yeah, because it's like it, I, I prefer this. I and don't get me wrong. I think the Force Awakens was exactly what it needed to be, which was a way to reintroduce audiences to this world. Say, look, we understand why you like the original Star Wars. We get it, um, and we we have ultimately it's that kind of love of adventure, that kind of you know that bombastic space opera that the lovable characters all of that is going to be incorporated to our series too we understand why the, why this saga resonates so it was almost like a trust exercise and and it worked um i understand people who are like that's not that that does not a revolutionary film make and i agree um and i think maybe the the response to the force awakens was probably inflated um just just because we were excited to be in this world again and to, to feel like we were in. Well, that's what, that's what I said. Stance. I think I thought I got a lot of points because it was the first good Star Wars movie in like a, two decades, a, a decade. Yeah. Uh, since at least Return of the Jedi, although I mean, you would, and I, I mean, honestly, Return of the Jedi is not a bad movie, but it was, I think Force Awakens was definitely the best one since. I, I've controversially Fire. said several times and not necessarily that I stick with this now, but I've said it in the past that I would take Revenge of the Sith over Return of the Jedi. Yeah, I, I wouldn't, but I don't think you're nuts for thinking that. Yeah, and there are parts in Revenge of the Sith that are a level of bad that the that Return of the Jedi never even approaches. It, it can it can only it can only <laughs> aspire to. Yeah. Um, and, and most of that is like writing. <laughs> you're so really, beautiful. Really trashed your writing, but I still think overall because it was a so- more like meaningful and and less derivative entry in the in the series. Yeah, I, I can I can entertain that notion. I don't agree with it at all, but I I, I can. Like I'm not going to call you. You sit me down at a dinner table to explain to me why I'm wrong. You know? I would I would mansplain to you, much like uh, Poe Dameron uh, mansplains uh, to new uh, uh, General Laura, Laura Dern. D- General General Laura Dern. Yeah. Um, uh, in this movie, it was it was the. I'm like, oh, this is the mansplaining moment. This is Bo Dameron mansplaining to to Laura Dern. <laughs> um, so actually, though, I'm going to use that to you know, kind of segue into a discussion about why, despite I, I've heard not a few times just looking at audience reaction, I've heard the plot described as a mess. I don't what? get that at all. I, no, I don't get that at all because it seems really straightforward. Well, it's it's not just that it's straightforward. Every single character, at least a main character, has an arc. They have and that's what I loved about this one. They, they have something that they need to learn that's reinforced throughout the narrative, um, and that ultimately leaves them a different character at the end of the movie than when they began. Um, Poe, they did it way better than Guardians of the Galaxy Two did. You know, I really thought we were missing a scene there where Poe's just like, "I just want to be a great fighter. I want people to love me." <laughs> 
I just wanted a sister. And then right at the end, right at the end, uh, spoilers, right at the end, Finn's, when he's flying toward the, the cannon, he's like, I never did anything good in this world. Uh, point taken. Just let them have it. Point taken. Okay. Yeah, no, they, they don't need to do that. It's like, I think that the notion of this being a uh, uh, confused story just comes from the fact that they go to an un- like they go to an unexpected location like i've heard the theory that um or not, not the theory i've heard the opinion that finn and uh, a new character named rose that their that their plot in the story is ultimately useless that, that it doesn't actually do anything and from a practical plot perspective okay but a that's just called like setting out to do something and failing B character wise and for establishing themes in the series they do everything they they completely set up the note that this film ends on which I'm not gonna spoil right now but this this it paints this larger image of the galaxy outside of just this good versus evil rebels versus empire dynamic that's been fueling the entire franchise so far um well, yeah, it, it, I mean, I could definitely hear that. Hear people saying like, "Oh, well, they tried to they tried to deactivate the thing, and it, they and they it, couldn't do it." And, and I'm like, "Work." So, so they still, t- yeah, like, I yeah, think I mean, it, it's it, like because it didn't actually succeed, and there wasn't like a big, uh, there wasn't a plot development, I guess that. Yeah, I mean, I, I like the subversion that they that they do, and I, I was actually. I was actually prepared for the the, the resistance, not the rebellion. Not the rebellion. Uh, <laughs> I was actually prepared for the resistance to fail at multiple times during this movie, and I loved that they had that sort of suspense. Like I, and because of that, mm-hmm. like especially, I was not convinced that they were going to succeed at anything that they did. And even before that, like with the with the first scene where they tried to bomb the dreadnought, like I was convinced that that bomber was just going to blow up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, same here. And it would have been the thing is, it would have been really easy to do that because the the original Empire Strikes Back, which is a objectively great movie, it it established this idea of the second act of a three part story being the dark chapter, the one where it's the always lost moment. It's the one where everything goes sour, where everyone fails, um, but that sets up a final confrontation that will ultimately succeed. But it allows the film in and of itself to be a tragedy without being unsatisfying it kind of gets the best of both worlds um because that, that that's that's the risk you run with making an overly um dour story is that people are going to be too put off by it too depressed um but because you have this looming third act where you you're pretty sure everything's going to work out fine it helps it become more palatable so i think you know that's what works with the empire strikes back and that's what um you know not to say empire strikes back innovated that but kind of in the same way that the hero's myth was reinvigorated with star wars um that's how you know that format kind of became mainstream again and was, yeah, i don't think it invented it but it, it definitely codified it, it pop yeah it popularized it um it, or like revived it yeah um i am so happy and amazed i was prepared for that to a t in the last jedi i am amazed at the variety of tones that they are able to successfully pull off in this and uh, you know that sequence that you were to i mean like basically every every time where things didn't go south for the for the um 
for the resistance. Every time something did ultimately work out, it was often balanced by something darker, something that was an actual yeah. challenge and a, and a huge setback. And in the end of this movie, you do leave with a, you know, you end on a note that is admittedly defeated, but resilient. And it just, it to me, it struck just the right balance where it was in no way leaning on the Empire Strikes Back for its tone. It, it very much reinvents itself. Um, with a surprisingly hopeful ending to a film where, yeah, a lot of shit goes south. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, this is not a happy chapter in the history of the resistance, but it is, it's definitely one where you are constantly forced to reflect on what the resistance and what the Jedi and what the people you've been rooting for, for uh, seven films are really all about and why you're uh, aligned with them in the first place. I don't think I've ever seen a Star Wars film go that go that way before. I've never seen them actually do that. Um, and that, uh, where even Luke, who is obviously framed as, you know, at least at the end of the last film was, you know, kind of framed as this sage-like master, um, sort of proves himself to be a very lost and, and confused character. Someone who needs to really come to terms with what happened in the past and reinvent himself, kind of gain a new sense of purpose. Um, and well, it's did, ultimately with his, his arc, I think defines a lot of what the movie, what the movie is wrestling with. And that's honestly what I don't think really landed. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, and, I mean, and could, could maybe, this is something I'm definitely, I think my mind might be changed either through this podcast or through subsequent viewings, but it seems as though they were setting up a larger notion that they just sort of abandoned and said, fuck it. You're talking specifically about his relationship with Kylo. No, I'm not. No? Okay. I'm talking about with his relationship with the Jedi. Mm-hmm. So it, se- and it seems like, you know, the, the scene... W- okay, Spoiler, 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 spoiler. It seems like his his scene with uh, Master Yoda, which is <clears throat> fucking cool. Uh, oh, it was great. Was um, supposed to be sort of this this like turning point with it, but I can't help but feel that all the all the talk, even from Master Yoda, just sort of about how about how the Jedi like are really sort of a you know a brash um, you know egotistical organization that ultimately creates its own de- created its own demise is sort of I feel like that sort of ends on nah never mind Jedi are really cool. Uh, I I gotta send I gotta okay so I I, I understand. I kind of had a similar notion in that regard. I, I, I felt the same way to an extent, but uh, it's so tough, right? It's well, it's tough. I don't because think I can tell it's were- that. I don't think it's that they just completely abandoned that question. I think that, and, and this this is why I actually I, I, I like the movie so much is because it does kind of get into this murky. Um, it gets into this kind of murky territory where good and evil aren't as, as easily distinguishable. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
it kind of takes from my reading it kind of takes a stance that kylo ren takes throughout this film which is basically uh, kill the past like uh, yeah that's yeah, true don't don't let past actions define who you are in the present um that's ultimately what kylo's arc in this film is I mean, it, it, it's it's something that he ultimately resolves himself to do but by the end of the film and it's in a way and i i love the mirroring because it's also in a way basically what luke and the jedi uh, what ultimately happens with luke and his, his stance with the jedi you kill the past you don't let it define you you allow yourself to grow with with the life that you profess to protect you are not the jedi are not the answer to the jedi is not to be found in a a a bunch of dusty old books um that's what i got from yoda that's what i think the ultimate I, i think that's what kind of defines luke's arc is to say okay the past is not going to define how we move forward and, and resigning yourself to brooding over it and dying. Um, you know, just, just going off to an Island to die is not ultimately going to benefit anyone. Um, Mm -hmm. and that's what I got out of that story. I can, I can understand the point of view that it maybe wasn't explored as thoroughly as the kind of, you know, that they were setting it up to it, it didn't have the same kind of resolution that they were setting it up to have that said i think it is a fully developed arc I, I, rushed i could I, I i could understand that point but i think it is i don't think they just say fuck it i think they make this notion of shedding your past instrumental to the characters on both sides of the of the conflict in this movie which again i think is interesting because you you in all the all the previous Star Wars films, it, it's a very like juvenile, simplistic notion of good and evil. This is the first film that I remember, at least, that really had a more nuanced approach to it in in the series. To what defines a a light force user and a dark force user, um, it, it, even where you have a character like uh, Benicio del Toro's. Uh, <laughs> uh, what is it the hack the 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 code code the master code, code breaker code breaker um where he you know is kind of like the, the the ultimate you know he's the chaotic neutral in the story he basically doesn't really he he's he an got, unredeemed lando calrissian for sure absolutely. from the cloud city and everything he seeks no redemption he is he is absolutely <laughs> <laughs> he is very he has a very sobering view of the world that is honestly more accurate than probably <laughs> anyone else's in the entire series so was, far i can't remember the exact line but it was something like you know you you blow them up they blow you up you know that, that's life <laughs> that's life the the people who um you know it, it, this is also interesting because this is the only star wars movie i can think of where at a certain point the bad guys are one percenters um <laughs> <laughs> but um the you know the their rose who had grown up uh is sort of in the servitude of these you know ultra rich uh people who sell arms to the to the first order um you know but she also just, to the resistance but also to the resistance uh benicio del toro's character reminds her that you know they sell weapons to 
the the resistance as well it's it's not as simple as you think it is it, there there is some it, it it it's not a simple good evil like to a certain point the good evil dichotomy is, is only fuels these people getting richer like that's what yeah you know it's it's there's like an interesting i'm sure there's an interesting meta read in there somewhere yeah i mean um, i can i so i, I don't know saw with the, sorry i'll let you finish no no it's cool that was basically the end i think i'll just keep uh, rambling if i keep going on <laughs> well i mean i i definitely saw in the movie that it seemed like they were trying to go for this sort of more nuanced take at mm-hmm. of on the jedi at the end you know to say like you know like when you know the critical moment in his meeting with Master Yoda, where he's like, "I'm gonna burn down the tree and all its text. Don't you try to stop me." Like he doesn't actually say that, but that's the implication. Mm-hmm. And then as he hesitates, Master Yoda summons a bolt of lightning yep. and <laughs> burns it down himself. He's like, yeah, "Someone sure, I go s- for it." Someone I saw online describe that as his down B Pikachu move. <laughs> his down B, yeah, his down B, and that's down B is the tree. So yeah, my, I mean, my new favorite description. <laughs> So, I mean, you know, we're in, and Yoda's like, whatever. I mean, they're just text. It's just a tree, you know. <laughs> and it sort of seems like, yeah, they were trying to do, like, okay, down with sort of, like, the the structure of the Jedi. But Jedis themselves and what they were fighting for and how they were fighting, you know, that's that's a more that's a more complex thing that you can't just that you can't just burn down and perhaps shouldn't just burn down. But again, <laughs> when it comes to like Luke's you know, last line, and then the last shot of the movie, which is kind of uh, really odd, um, It's it seemed to me, it felt to me like, no, the Jedi really are cool. Yeah, Luke was so wrong, you know? <laughs> so, okay, so to me, that came down to, okay. See, I don't think that the end of this movie, I don't think the note that it ends on is that, oh, the good guys are really great. I think there is actually a transformation. I think there's a different approach that actually is articulated specifically at one point by Rose, which is, you know, I'll admit kind of was, was a bit too on the nose and explanatory for my taste. It was a little guardians did help. Yeah. It was a little guardians too, but it actually did help me with the ending a bit where she says, you know, it's not about, uh, I'm going to put fighting what you hate. It's not about fighting what you hate. It's about saving Saving what you love. Okay. Hackneyed. Right. But if you think about it, that that was kind of it, our traditional view of the Jedi is about is, fighting what is they about hate. fighting what you hate. Yeah. And that's always there's always like a contradictory element to that. Cause it's like, well, that's feeding into the dark side, isn't it? It's it's <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. T- to me, it does a good job of only a Sith deals in absolutes. It, yeah, right. Without with zero, like it almost writes that into canon now, which is. Very interesting. Like, yes, that is a contradiction. The the Jedi have been hypocrites. Um, and I think that th- this notion at the end is not just, oh, the Jedi are awesome. The, the, the rebellion's awesome. It's that if you, it, it's to recontextualize it as saying, you know, preserve what you love. If you, you know, keep hope, keep, keep hope alive. God damn. Um, <laughs> you know, it, if you, you know, I don't know, it, it changes it from this like dogmatic, you know, st- strict religious organization into something that is a lot more humanistic 
and to me that was that was the 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 hero that was the arc that the heroes ultimately uh go through in the film so the note that it ended on for me was like kind of a different you know a different take where no it's not about the hero rising up from obscurity it's about this notion of hope distilled throughout the entire galaxy um okay so another big spoiler here um which is kind of a not like it's it's the spoiler is how much of a non-spoiler it is, which is kind of the big question. Raise parents. Right. Was, it was a lot of people's number one question going into it and uh, going into the film. And I think it's so interesting and it kind of establishes like a, 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 an abiding theme for me at the movies this year where the ultimate revelation is that is the lack of any sort of prophecy or narrative. Yeah. It's it's sort of, it's Uh, the same sort of anti reveal that they had with, with Kylo in the first movie when he takes off his helmet for the first time. Right. That doesn't show Uh, you shit. You're like, who is this guy? I don't know. Yeah. And I I suppose there is a bit of a twist in there when you find out, you know, that he's, uh, the, where, where he's a Han and Han and Leia's son. Um, but I remember even that happened so casually. Right. And it's just like, it throws a wrench into this notion that, and honestly, to me, that this might be the biggest like middle finger to the prequel trilogy that I've seen so far in the in <laughs> the, a lot of them. the new trilogy, um, it, where it's just like no, it's not about chosen ones, it's not about destiny, it's not about, um, you know, predetermined. It, it, it's it, there's very much a notion that your that at this point, it's not about a single hero rising up and and killing. I mean, doesn't Kylo hate. even say to her at one point, "You're not a hero in this story"? He, yes, he does. Yeah. And uh, a line that I actually thought was bad, and it, it might, it still is not the greatest, um, but it, it kind of got new resonance for me when when Ray's just like, "You are a monster," and he goes, "Yes, I am." And I was like, "That's <laughs> okay. That's kind of a kind of falls flat." Um, but. The thing is, it's almost like he uh, he has resigned himself to a like almost like he is creating a narrative for himself without. Well, and you could tell that's what he was trying to do when he killed Han in the first place, right? Right. Like right. He was he was sort of saying like, okay, I'm this guy now. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. I I like the fact that this this new uh, we're, the new trilogy is almost. It's in a place now where it's not about following. It's deviated from the hero's journey to the point where now it's it's about crafting your own story for yourself and not relying on being the chosen one, being a being a predestined savior. Um, and that uh, that is what appealed to me so much. And that's why I think a lot of people are kind of rebelling pun intended she's not related to luke Ah. right they're mad at that lack of huge they they miss the catharsis they want the big dramatic development and i think that was it was really gutsy on ryan johnson and lucasfilm's part to abstain from that to not go down that road and to instead get more introspective about uh you know who the jedi are who the rebellion are and who the who the first order is um this reminds it's funny because 
speaking of rhyming, this film is kind of has has it's been having the opposite reception of what the Empire Strikes Back did when it came out, where a lot of critics hated the Empire Strikes Back, um, or at least they didn't like it. Yeah, and um, I think in general audiences were happy with it. Um, but it, it's definitely grown in prestige over the years where now everyone's sort of unified and saying, yeah, this is the best star Wars film. <laughs> I mean, fuck I the best star Wars film, like best, one of the best, it's films. one of the best films of all time. And I, you're not going to hear me uh, say anything against that notion. It's a, it's a phenomenal movie. Um, but I think a similar, I think something similar will happen to the last Jedi over time where people are less seeking that immediate, like we've been waiting, you know, we've been waiting two years to the secret of this, you know, great big mystery. What is it? And being just horribly let down. I think that people are going to be able to sort of see it for what it is and actually give it a new reading um, when they're not sort of blinded by the immediacy of the, you know, uh, uh, the the urgency of the box office, you know? Yeah, I mean, and we've, we've talked a lot about the, like, the overarching themes and, and character arcs. Um, and I think we've we've done a good job of that, but goddamn, this is one of the most just sit down and stuff your face with popcorn oh entertaining movies of the year, if oh not my. the most. I don't. Oh it's the most. God. I'm just gonna say it's the most. It's, it is the most. I agree with that. Like the, there are so many just uh, jaw droppingly stunning and kinetic moments, and not just moments, sequences, and both both that are spectacles to to look at and to experience and i'm thinking of thing of sequences in in space with uh, you know destroying a dreadnought or or for fuck's sake putting a rebellion cruiser into a light speed suicide mission a kamikaze attack a that kamikaze, a light speed kamikaze attack it's um that that sequence was so a well edited which i haven't heard anyone talk about by the way the parallel editing where everything at this moment is uh, like you have three different plots that you're balancing that all reach their critical point and then this happens and it 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 effectively shatters every single one of those threads at the same time it, it's brilliantly strung together but I'm also gonna, the, go on the visual beauty of that sequence um it it, it gave me an experience that i haven't had in the theater since 2008 in the dark night when the semi train or in the semi train jesus christ when the semi truck flipped oh you felt the audience just collectively go <gasps> like everyone just you like, could hear a pin drop in, yeah during this sequence in this in the theater yeah just everyone was just blown away it was because they didn't they incredible didn't, they didn't use sound that was a brilliant mm -hmm. direction they were Which just is like so no let's mute it let's just show this from a thousand different angles you know <laughs> as it's happening I find it also no funny that this is the movie that they they do go silent for a moment in because this is also like the the opening space battle which was really great but it was again it was still like kind of when I was get trying to get my footing on the film um it was one of the I just remember being like you know all the noise and the commotion and the movement and I'm like was kind of getting flashbacks to Revenge of the Sith and I'm like oh man I hope they simplify this a bit I hope that this isn't the tone of the action sequences throughout the movie um and really it wasn't at all um and even within that sequence I was just like I would I would see why Ryan Johnson's such a great director because he does 
you know, he begins in wide shot of this battle, but then he does get into the uh, into the specifics, and you get like little image, you get images that speak so much. I remember there's one where um, a character falls flat on her back, um, and she's supposed to be, uh, you know, unleashing this barrage of bombs on it on an empire ship, and um, you know, she uh, she fell, and the the receiver that would activate the drop is way up above her and she's staring up from where she is and it's just this long it's the shot down what is effectively a vertical corridor um and you just see these bombs just dangling and each one of them has a blinking red light on it and all you have is like just this visual and the sounds and it is just one of the most threatening images i've ever seen in a movie um just the the economy to be able to communicate that so quickly in one image was beautiful um there's a shot later um in a battle that at first seemed way too similar to the battle of hoth for my liking uh that eventually the the uh, battle on crate yeah which is uh, Um, one of them is the it's the most visually stunning scene i've seen this year it's a great it's it's a great sequence and i i i just the setup i'm like oh no they're doing they're just doing hoth again (laughs) um no i mean no, right. they are, yeah. It's a bunch of ships they, they going are. towards ATATs with, like, now they have, like, bulldog flaps on them. So it's, they're it's, slightly different, I guess. It was everything to me that, like, Rogue One did wrong, where they copied the, um, you know, they, they took all the imagery and the, the superficial elements that fans really liked, and they just made it. It's like, well, now we have a blast cannon ram or whatever the fuck. Just some ridiculous. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, now we have a MacGuffin. I'm like, oh no, this is entirely the wrong approach. And then, like, the you know one of the generals walks out and he's he's trailing red behind him. I'm like, what the fuck is he like? I, I love how information was communicated in this moment because like yep. he's walking and everyone's thinking, oh shit, he's bleeding. What what's wrong with him? And then the guy like licks some of the dirt on the ground. Some of the dirt on the ground. He goes, oh Ugh. salt. And I'm like, what? wait what salt and then i just realized oh this is it took me a second i wasn't sure what he meant like are are the is the red stuff salt like why is it and then you see i it took me a moment i'm a little slow but then you see like the these like rickety rebel ships riding like they're they're just dog shit they're (laughs) piles of garbage it actually is a piece of junk (laughs) it actually is a piece of junk and this is also leading into one of my favorite lines in the film but um they're like trailing, like like dragging this bit on the ground, and it's it show like each one of them creates this red path, this it, it, like blood like stream in their wake, and it's the salt. I'm like, oh, okay, this is a salt planet, and when you like fuck with the salt, you un- expose this like red underbelly. Got it. And not only is that a cool visual, it's like a really interesting metaphor for like it adds this sense of like bloodiness and stakes to the battle without actually showing any blood yeah um it's a it's a phenomenal touch that i don't know <laughs> how ryan johnson thought it. oh did. it's your favorite is they hate that ship is that your or... uh no right before that actually because uh it, it kylo ren just goes because of the money oh yeah <laughs> and Ryan kylo ren just goes blast that um blast, blast that a- piece of junk out of the sky and i'm like and everyone knows exactly which ship he's talking about i'm like Wow, the millennium yeah. <laughs> such a piece of junk that even though the rebels are flying actual scrap metal, he says blast that piece of junk out of the sky, and they know exactly <laughs> what he's talking about. 
<laughs> but yeah, and then there's like, and then you know he draw he it draws like five Tie Fighters, and and then there you know it's Finn commenting. It's like they hate that ship. They hate that ship, which was also funny. Um, it's like yeah, that ship is destroyed now. Three Death Stars. <laughs> yep. Yep. Well, I mean, okay, Luke destroyed the first one, but... Uh, Luke destroyed the first, but it helped. Yeah, the Millennium Falcon was definitely there, and then the Falcon destroyed the second, second. and the third. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so... Uh, um, and, oh, God, and then there's, like, this little chase sequence. It doesn't last too long in the underbelly of... Um, in the underbelly of that uh, salt planet, and it, it just, like, it looks like you've entered an actual living creature. It is stunning like i just i wasn't expecting that kind of um artistic like the the that kind of art design and uh it really did actually take me back to the original trilogy where like no they were inventing these new worlds um it wasn't just like oh this is a lush green planet this is a desert planet this is like you you got this sense of each each world of forest moon of endor Right, you gotta send, and it's it's just oh the woods near San Francisco where Lucasfilm is set up. You know, like it's you get a real sense that it, they're that they're taking real chances with with art uh, with art direction that these planets are actually alive. Like they have, I don't know, kind of in the way that Guillermo del, Guillermo del Toro designs his sets as like almost personalities in and of themselves. Like I don't know, I I love the touches they added. Uh, in this film that actually made the universe feel big again. Uh, the thing about Rogue One is it kind of made Star Wars feel small, very small to me, which is kind uh, of hey, look, that, and that's what I'm saying. G- Gareth Edwards, he he plays all his films small, like from from fucking, no, I from, I know, but from not Godzilla even, to Star Wars, he plays not, it small. Not from the perspective though, from uh, like not, not the fact that you're with the characters on the ground, but like in terms of what Star Wars can be it made it feel very limited. Like, okay, it's got to have this, this, and the other thing. And um, we have to use them all in the same way that they've been used in every other Star Wars movie. And, you know, I, it didn't bother me with uh, with The Force Awakens as much just because, again, I felt like that was a, a worthwhile introduction to this to this world. Um, like, it's what we needed at that time. But, yeah, like, Rogue One seemed like it was coming from a fan for fans. And yeah, I mean, that it could I, I, be this, like, Star Wars was tie fighters star wars was atat star wars was okay i i'm gonna I'm, I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna have to kill you now it's the thing oh so okay just, oh all right all right i just it, i i said this before i think you had brought up like red red letter media it, well you sent me like red letter media's mm-hmm. a, a segment of their yeah, review and i'm like okay but at a certain it. point they're just criticizing a star wars movie for having star wars imagery and it's Especially in a movie that's supposed to take place right before, right before Star Wars, you, I understand, you're going to say like, "Oh, they they shouldn't have ATATs and ATSTs." Like that's are, 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 that's just pandering. It's like I, I, no, that's fucking that. continuity. No, I'm saying that if the if the end goal is that it, that is what Star Wars is like, this is why you're here is to see ATATs blast ATATs and Tie Fighters blasting X wings. Like that's. Okay, but if That's people all, were if people like lob that criticism at if people lob that criticism at little shots of like C three PO and R two D two, I will sit the fuck down and close my mouth. But if you're like, oh, they have an ATAT, that's bullshit. It's like no, it, no, 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 no. It's that's it, it's the the idea that that's all Star Wars can be. That's the sense you get from uh, a sense you get from Rogue One. Well, not you. 
you're, you're different. Um, I'm different. What I got from Rogue One was a fucking Star Destroyer being pushed down onto a shield generator. Fuck him. That was cool. That was, that really, was really cool. fucking cool, man. That rivals this scene, this this uh, light speed kamikaze attack scene. No, it does not. It's not even close to as cool. <laughs> this one was. This one was. Uh, well, I don't know. I, it, it. I immediately thought of that scene when I saw this one, so I'll say that. Okay. Um. Re- regardless. Regardless. Yeah, uh, uh, regardless. The. Uh, I don't know the the uh, for me the risks all paid off the, the, this was what the second installation of this trilogy needed to be um, I applaud it I'm kind of bummed that there is such a you know not vehement because there are a lot of fans that love this movie um, and overall it's getting positive reception but like yeah the the I feel like it's the negative voices have been amplified and I'm just kind of I don't know it's it's like a weird moment where at this point now the fan base can't even agree where they want star wars to go like what kind of what kind of like now they they have all these preconceived notions about what star wars is and a lot of them are it it, it turns out much like the country star wars fans are divided (laughs) yeah well and we talked about we talked about space battles and this cool planet too can we talk about the fucking snoke scene oh yes because that was fucking great and it and it also raises it raises interesting questions probably more than it wants to about uh you know a similar very similar scene in in return of the jedi when you know apprentice is betray uh, apprentice betrays master you're you're mm-hmm. sitting there like didn't shouldn't palpatine have seen that coming you know right uh but then in this one he's sort of like the his, yeah I know. kylo ren's betrayal is now the stuff of legend I will say because that could only have been done in that exact way, and the fact that he was able to sort of do two things at once to conceal what he was doing—fucking amazing! It, it it wasn't that it wasn't that he was exploiting Kylo's weakness as much as it was he had he he was man, manipulating the one thing that Kylo is most is is most insecure about which is his lack of clout his his own inability to basically this perception of himself as like as a, I think as we're a talking kid. about different things is the thing. I think we are I think we are too but <laughs> I'm a little confused cuz I'm sorry okay well I'm going to I'm going to let you take this then because I uh I think I'm on it I I just want to well, I'm talking about the, the very critical about. moment in in that Kylo scene where where Snoke is saying, you know, I cannot be betrayed. You know, I see his every thought. I even now I see him turning the lightsaber to that's strike right, true. That's right. You know, that, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what I'm saying. When he, Kylo's betrayal of Snoke is the stuff of legend. Like the Star Wars universe will write books about that. Yeah, I mean they true. won't because it didn't happen that way. Um, you know, because the official story is that Rey killed killed Snoke, but. But goddamn, that was amazing. Wait, wait, is it? Yeah. Yeah, he said he told General Hux he was like Ray killed Emperor Snoke. You didn't think that was a lie? What? Of course that was a lie. Oh, oh, I'm okay. You were saying in the world of Star Wars. In the world of Star Wars, it didn't happen that way. Yes. Okay, I was like, I'm 
pretty sure he was lying, James. No, yeah, he was lying. Was the, like, whole, the whole thing about what oh, I'm okay, saying right, is that right, yeah, 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 how yeah. he betrayed him was amazing. And it was one of those things that's that was a good character moment, A, and B, just wildly entertaining. Uh, just how he did it at the same time, convincing Snoke that, you know, because Snoke saw him turning a lightsaber to to strike true and to kill his, you know, his true enemy, you know. But he was just wrong about which one that was and which lightsaber. Like, that is that yeah. is genius. Like, Kylo Ren is a mastermind. Right. Yes. Yes. So now you go with on what you, what you were saying. No, I, um, I was saying that um <laughs> i was i was just reflecting on how how many volumes that scene speaks about kylo um because the the one thing that did ultimately get him to uh, you know it, it proved that he wasn't about fealty he wasn't about you know it wasn't about the dark side winning him over it was about him carving out meaning for himself and the the one way to guarantee that he will rebel against you is that you diminish his sense of purpose and meaning yeah um, you you turn him into a tool he will fight back whereas like you know with the i just find that more interesting than i'm not saying he's a better villain than darth vader but like with, with vader it was just very much like oh he's the he's the emperor's lapdog and in the end, though, but but in the end, though, he's got a heart of gold. And if, if you if you fuck with Luke, then you're going to like I think even ardent Star Wars fans will agree that Vader's turn back from the dark side in Return of the Jedi is about as choppy and abrupt and undeveloped as his turn to the dark side in Revenge of the Sith. Like, yeah, and, and, this, and, this man apparently changes his entire worldview on the flip of a dime. And Kylo's um, is so much better because I yeah. thought. I, well, as soon as it happened, it was awesome, a. Eh? But then I'm like, man, is he just gonna be like, good now? Like that. But, but, but again, not that simple. And and so, sorry. What that? This is what I was getting at. Although uh, your point sticks as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, which is just that, like, they have they've established Kylo as such a more complex character that does have a more nuanced sense of good and evil. Um. And I'm really looking forward to how they they uh, deal with him in the third film because no matter what, they've set up this character to be absolutely tragic. Because in the end, he's not. Yeah, there, there's not going to be a happy ending with like him smiling as a forest ghost around a fire um, <laughs> at the, end of the third movie. Like there is. Like like no, like no matter what, even if he surrenders, he. And, and and turns good he ultimately you know he loses in his own struggle to define his own destiny right to to do away with his past and forge a new uh forge a new life for himself if he if he goes down he goes down as a as a very sympathetic and humanized character of you know despite the horrible shit he's done um so i don't know i, I love how I love how carefully they've stoked this conflict between Kylo and Rey, where it is it, it's it's just such a more interesting dynamic than than Darth Vader and Luke. Than Darth Vader and Luke, even given the the big plot twist with with Darth yeah. Vader. Yeah, I also want to say that I also want to say that uh, while while maybe saying Darth Vader well Kylo Ren is better than a better villain than Darth Vader is a stretch too far. Emperor Snoke 
it, Supreme Leader Snoke is absolutely a better villain than Emperor Palpatine. Oh, really? I don't. I don't think that. I I, I think that so much. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, he he seems. I mean, yeah, he has like. He seems to have. I mean, he's still like, cartoonishly evil, right? You know, yeah. like that's something that's not going to. That's not going to be changed between the two of them. They're both just like, in the end, like cackling villains. But right, I, I, yeah, you're not going to hear me talk about how Palpatine's this, this wonderful, <laughs> like, nuanced <laughs> portrait of corruption, unlimited power. <laughs> but Jesus. no, but Emperor Snoke to me seemed like. He has a he has a ton more intrigue a, and he always seems to be like ten steps ahead of wherever Palpatine would have been, and I mean he get, he got tricked there at the end by Kylo Ren, but as I said, like he could only have been tricked in that way by you know a force user of the caliber of Kylo Ren, um, and you know I mean from everything of like his sort of. He almost reminded me a bit of, like, uh, uh, Hannibal Lecter, oddly enough. You know, I mean, it, it may have been when he's, like, close, uh, but, you know. Wow, I mean, like, see, I think you viewed Snoke as a much more, like, like he w- absolutely was a, a, um, He seemed like just, he seemed like the, the, the cliche cackling villain to me. Like, no, he absolutely was, like, a calculating genius, you know, like a mastermind with the four. When he brings, like, oh, have you... Have you seen a, a weakness in my apprentice that he's going to betray me? <gasps> you know, he like he like openly mocks her about something that she thought she had an ace in the hole. You know, she's Thrill. like, I'm going to go and turn him. And then she's like, oh, you, you what? <laughs> Thrill me with your acumen. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I mean, it, that's it, that, sort of, that sort of thing that he had already like, he'd already established all of that like that was our and and that he was the one that connected them to in the first place to bring them to that moment like that's a, that's the kind of like forethought that that palpatine only had an exposition you know mm. yeah okay i that's a good point i think i think maybe the fact that he was betrayed so quick uh, you know fatal, well, yeah that's a, that's so actually quickly a and thing for me well it kind of it kind of downplays that because it's i mean this is the only film uh, this is the first time we see him well okay to be fair return of the jedi was the only film we saw palpatine in person and he also died that film but yeah well um i I think this notion of him as an all like a like a 10 steps ahead kind of chess playing baddie is kind of downplayed by that fact whereas palpatine i never really got the sense that he was necessarily like a you know, until the prequels tried to make him this like master manipulator, in the, which was just oh so subtle. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, I just kind of got the sense that he was just this the like public cannot be cannot survive when well right. General Grievous is alive. Uh, I I just kind of got the sense that he was not so much a manipulator as just someone who reveled in his own indulgences, someone who just enjoyed being evil so much that i just like it's almost contagious okay well i'm I'm the first someone who enjoys being evil to someone who just like is evil you know right like i never got the sense that palpatine got a kick out of what he was doing he was just like yeah i did i'm like 
Oh, yes, I can feel the hate flow through you. It warms my cups. <laughs> okay, fair enough, fair enough. I, like, I don't know. I got this, like, just this passion from him that honestly just made him a very enjoyable character no, to me. And Not I'll admit, my one regret with Snoke is that, I mean, by all, by all, by all appearances, that's the last we're going to see of him. <laughs> Well, and, like, I'm just not going to remember him in the way I'm going to remember Palpatine. Like, I'm not. He's, I mean, I, and I think that a lot of that is because of... character. But, but mind you, I, and this is also what I think Darth Vader has going for him more than Kylo, despite the fact that Kylo is... is a more layered character. A layer, more layered, and honestly, I'll say it, a better character. Um, yeah. Darth Vader is a great icon. Uh, Kylo Ren is not a great icon. He's a, he's a great character. So, in that sense... I think that's the distinction I draw between the two. Cause like, even now thinking about it, Vader and Luke really only met. They hadn't actually met before the ending of, uh, of the empire strikes back. That was their first confrontation. Luke had seen Vader strike down Obi-Wan. He felt Vader in the death star, but they had never actually interact. And you know, he had visions of him, but they never actually interacted before that moment. So the dynamic between their characters, just, it is, it, it's skimpy. There's not a lot there before the big reveal. Whereas there's this, you know, you had this really great confrontation with Kylo and uh, Ray at the end of um, The Force Awakens. And then, and actually kind of a, a great development, Ryan Johnson, er, I don't want to say Ryan Johnson, but he did write the screenplay. But anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, there's a lot of people who, who had input, I know. But um, they, they had the, brilliant stroke of creating this force link between them that literally that puts them in communication through most of the film um between ray and kylo yeah and that actually did a lot to i think muddy the waters of where exactly kylo's sympathies and loyalties lie and what kind of person he actually is Mm -hmm. um and the degree to which he is actually intertwined with Ray to the point where it's not just a familial bond. It's not just like them telling you our destinies, your destiny belongs with me or we're intertwined. Like there, it shows you that both of these characters have gone through similar journeys and are equally kind of scrambling for Well, Ray is at this point scrambling. You know, she wants to find out what my role is in all this. And Kylo's like, you don't have one. You, you make one for yourself. That's what, that's what we do. And I think the fact that even though Ren, Ren's allegiances are still ultimately with the First Order, he's still definitely a bad guy. I think that it, it's poignant that basically the message for both him and the and, and Ray by the end of the film is essentially the same, which is kill the past, create your own destiny. Um, so just a, just a great touch, I thought. Also a wonderful visual illustration of that theme uh, when Ray goes down into the, um, this pit on Luke's Island. Yep. Um, it just maybe actually my favorite sequence in the film where you get this like refractive, she, she goes down in this pit and, oh, and I, uh, yeah, there's cool. a, ref, there's, there, there are these, uh, you know, crystalline walls and you get this refractive, you know, refractive, um, refre- uh, you get this reflection that just kind of seems to extend onto infinity with like you know infinite rays. And at, at first, it's like 
just looks like a, a trick of light. And then you notice that it's actually a line of successive rays that are moving mm-hmm. just ever so like it's a, it's, and I mean, if we're to take the view of the camera that she's in the middle, right. Yeah. Then not only is, uh, is the reflection happening after her, but also there are plenty of reflections before her who are doing things before she does them. Right. And it kind of creates this, it actually does a good job of illustrating this almost like, fear of fatalism this like scary the scariness of being predestined to do something that no matter you know you're just your whole life is laid out ahead of you. everything you would do you have already done without vice versa without saying a single goddamn word and then at the end of this line of rays there is ultimately a destination and it's leading to this supposedly big revelation about her parents um which is not paid off there instead it's just it everything dissolves the illusion breaks away and it's just you have to come to terms with the fact that it's just i've never been so prepared to take a dump over the movie (laughs) you know yeah right right before that was gonna happen i know i know and that's what i think is so smart about it it's the same thing that blake renner did where like it understands what you as an audience member wants but it also wants you to understand why that's kind of not the point that's not actually what makes someone a hero is being predestined to follow this path that that's even though that's just been common language in films forever i'm actually really happy that we're seeing that shift in storytelling um in popular storytelling at least we're kind of leaning away from the from the chosen one trope from the destiny trope um because that kind of creates this static notion of good and evil that doesn't really have anything to do with the world we live in um so uh, yeah, I like no other Star Wars films done that before. No, I mean, <laughs> this, is want, this is what everyone said they wanted after the Force Awakens came out, and it's what I wanted. Now, it's, it's exactly what, it's what I what wanted I want. after they came it's out. What I wanted. It's Wait, what the I fuck? Tom Hardy's in this movie? What? Who? Where? Why? I don't know. I'm seeing it on Metacritic. Tom Hardy's in this movie. Did he have like a bit part, a cameo? I don't. Not that I remember, but I mean to be fair, Simon Pegg got a big part in Force Awakens, and I didn't know that until also, well afterwards. So did uh, Daniel Craig. I know. Yeah. Um, I know Gareth Edwards was uh, had a cameo in the Last Jedi. He was um, the guy next to the salt oh. man. Prince William, Duke of Cambridge, Prince Harry, and Tom Hardy. What weird company to be in? All had cameo appearances as stormtroopers. Oh, okay. Is it really a cameo appearance if you're in a stormtrooper? Well, that's that's where Daniel Craig's cameo was, and uh... I know, but like, okay, <laughs> but that could be every that could be anybody. Like, that's not even yeah, whatever. Yeah, actually, and Mike and James both had uh no. Oh yeah, we were both in this. Yeah, totally Spon- sponsored by Disney. Um, <laughs> no, uh, honestly, that's just the most expend. I mean, come on, if you're gonna pay all that money for a fucking cameo. You put you just put him in a stormtrooper outfit like that's not. <laughs> most Probably expect- didn't have to pay him much. I would hope not. Hey, you want to be in Star Wars? <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying, like, if he did, most expensive extras of all time. <laughs> yeah, but that's probably true. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, Gareth Edwards was unmasked and in this movie, he was uh, next to the salt guy on a uh, on crate. <laughs> the guy was like, the guy was like, oh, this is salt. He's right next to him. Oh shit! I didn't realize that. <laughs> I didn't either, but someone pointed it out on uh, Reddit. Well, 
Well, cool. Good for him. Yeah, right? <laughs> um, no, I, don't so know. Yeah. I don't know what else, what much more I have to say. I, I think we've gone through most of it, but um, man. Yeah, no, I, I loved it. I This is one of my... I, I also say I, I would love to have a more in-depth discussion about the arc of Master Yoda who oh yeah. Go, yeah goes from where he was in in let's 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 go all the way back to the, the chronologically yes no i mean chronologically let's go all the way back and say like from where he was in the phantom menace to uh-huh. someone who burns down the jedi tree with sacred yep. jedi texts oh it's great and and i buy it is the thing I, I, I do too. They they made that because um, people were talking about you know in the prequel trilogy he he seems to have lost all of his like you know everything mysticism. that made him enjoyable his his mysticism and his um his warmth but but also yeah his his warmth and his like kookiness almost like, yeah right. I, 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 like everyone liked the Yoda that you felt had kind of been like like the isolation and the swamp of kind of like made him made, crazy it made him break a bit yeah. um but it, but it also kind of sobered him up it, it, it made him look outside of the jedi temple and go you know what this is what life and this is this is what life really is and this is what the force is all about not not strict not not scripture not uh destiny and, and chosen ones and i i love that they actually made that so the, the this is actually a much better like period point like like, like an end point to his character and then they gave him in return of the jedi because it actually, yeah i mean you it, it takes that into account the old the, the conflict of the old and the new and it gave him my personal favorite line in the movie too which is you know we have to deal with the fact again butchering uh, we have to deal with the fact that our students um our students grow beyond us that's the burden of every master oh yeah well no his his talk about failure you know being mm-hmm. so essential like yeah. re- really really good stuff and i mean you think about his arc as you know all-powerful all-knowing force user you know uh can't do no wrong knows everything yoda in in the first three to someone who is like whose every belief has sort of been rocked to its core in uh, you know after the jedi gets overturned and he's like i have to i have to go into hiding i mean and and unfortunately, a lot of this is spelled out more clearly in the novelization of uh, the of Return. Sorry, Revenge of the Sith. Um, oh, yeah, I had I had that one too. That yeah, novel. when when he's sort of like yeah. when he's sort of like talking about his his fight against Palpatine and saying like, I just didn't have it. You know, like that's sort of his his reaction to it. It's like th- this is someone who has been hiding in plain sight for so long and waiting and waiting and plotting, for, you know, to strike at the opportune moment that i was just overwhelmed by it like a lot of people like myself included when i saw it as a child i was like well palpatine just used like a cheap trick to get away like he threw the senate senate at him <laughs> so i threw the senate at him <laughs> the whole senate he fought he no. turns out turns out i just realized the symbolic uh the symbolic importance of that too he uh he fought off yoda with democracy <laughs> yeah i mean so and then to be someone who's like okay now uh, I've gone into hiding and then I see Luke Skywalker. I will train him in the ways of the Jedi and then he will succeed where I didn't. And then he sort of fails in the exact same way that he fails, <laughs> that yeah. he failed. Yep. Thus, thus having Yoda come to this like new, like wiser revelation. You know? Absolutely. I love this is, that. This is the Yoda from, this is the Yoda that I think everyone missed. Even yes. down to the fact that he is also a puppet again. I know. Thank the <laughs> fucking Thank Lord. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Um, yeah, 
That puppet yeah. was damn good too. It I don't did, know. And the, the the first shot, I was like, it looked weird to me. And then after about you know after a few seconds, it looked great. It looked just like yeah. It. When they go close up, yeah, you're right. When it when it was when it was, I definitely like. It might have my eyes when they first showed up on screen. I'm like, hmm. part of it might have been part of it might have been like shock at just seeing it. But I could I swear he looked a bit more digitally at first. And mind you, he is a he's a ghost. But um, <laughs> like it, as it went on and, and he started moving, I'm like, oh, no. OK, they are using a puppet. It looks yep. it looks great. It looks just like in the original trilogy. I love it. Um, I will also say I love that because this movie echoed so much of return of the jedi and of empire strikes back we we don't know where the next one's i going. have no fucking idea what the next movie's gonna be and that's so exciting i know it's great like they've they've already done like the apprentice betrays master they've already done the ray becomes like a like a super jedi thing you know yeah it's like I, and they've already had fucking ewoks which are the worst part of this movie but porgs are adorable james Fuck these Toys R Us motherfucking... They're so cute! They're actually they're actually less consequential than Ewoks. Wrap your head around that. Ewoks actually killed some stormtroopers. Well, Porgs fed Chewbacca when he was hungry. No, he didn't eat them. He felt too bad. I, you don't think he ate that delicious-looking thing after the after they all left? Like, okay, I know <laughs> that he put it down. He totally fucking like, came back and ate it. I, okay, don't give me that sure, shit. Sure, I'll let you have it. And then they just, uh, yeah. And then they just fuck shit up for. And now they're just gonna be sold en masse. Those, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm so, those, I was so mad those, at them. Those crystal critters were awesome. The oh, those were cool, and they were actually and they, consequential. They actually were useful in the plot. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, so were, I don't know. Fuck those guys. Every, everything else about the movie, pretty great. You know, I'm coming around to the the ending portion, um, and I'm certain yeah. this is only gonna get better with age. And, and honestly, the, the, the opening I only was uncertain about just because I, I didn't know. I just want to get a sense of what kind of film they were really setting us up for. And constantly I was just like, oh, I wasn't expecting this. This is this is different. I, li- I like it. And then I, you know, I slowly just got my footing and then finally realized what kind of film this was. I'm like, OK, no, I really I love this. It's phenomenal. Um, I, I think they made exactly the right choices. Um I'm actually, you know what? At this point, knowing the Star Wars fan base, I'm happy they pissed a lot of them off because yeah, fuck those guys. <laughs> no, for real. I, you know what? If, if if all they want is the original trilogy, then go watch the original trilogy. That's fine. Plus Nothing. The Force Awakens. What? I said plus the Force Awakens. <laughs> plus the plus the Force Awakens. Yeah. Um, I I couldn't be happier. Also, we didn't even talk about this. This is. One good thing about Disney buying 20, uh, 21st Century Fox, we might actually get unaltered editions oh, of the original trilogy. Don't say that. Don't. Why would you bring that up? You're giving me hope. Hope is the f- spark that lights the fire that will take the First Order down. Ah, <laughs> oh, man. Okay, we should probably move on to Coco before we're here forever. Oh, God, we got to talk about a whole nother movie. <laughs> we got to talk about a whole nother movie. Um, but fuck the haters. Uh, last year, yeah, great. It's, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Emperor <laughs> Snoke, cool but dead. Um, yep, absolutely. Yeah. So Coco, Coco, okay. The movie that that may have saved it animation in 2017. Oh my god. Well, 
It definitely ended the Oscar race for best animated feature. Uh, yeah, it really did. It, um, it gave us something to to win. The only other one I want to see that I don't, I think I'm going to miss is called Loving Vincent. Have you heard about that? Oh, I have heard about that. I yeah, seen it's it an there. entirely oil painted animated movie. Yeah, that's cool. Like, that's amazing to me. It's, and I and I, it's at, it's been at the Pickford for a while, and I've just been like, eh. Uh, uh, and now I'm gonna feel bad because it's absolutely gonna get nominated for best best animated picture because you know why there's not not fucking much else. I wouldn't even be surprised if those were the only two films nominated. If it was Coco and Loving Vincent. I mean, yeah. What else? I mean, they, they made Cars three. Ooh. Um, Despicable Me three. Despicable Me. The three. Boss Baby. The Emoji Movie. Captain Underpants. The movie. Oh my God. Ferdinand. Oh, oh by the way, can I just just the the, the cesspool that is Reddit that uh, you know. I, I I go on all the time, but like I, I, their movie uh, poll for the end of the year. Mm-hmm. So Star Wars: the Last Jedi, Coco's number one actually, which is really cool. Huh. But but uh um, but uh Star Wars: The Last Jedi down at number forty. You know what's directly above it? Captain Underpants. What? Yeah. The Last Jedi is is one but rung is, above is, is, Captain is, Underpants. No, below. 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 <laughs> yeah. Oh no. What, uh. is, what is cesspool? I just I. I'm <laughs> the so wretched angry. hive of scum and villainy. Wretched hive. Oh, also, okay. Quick thing. I love how you know they, they echoed the the wretched hive of scum and villainy. They didn't they didn't say those words specifically, but this time instead of a bunch of outlaws and vagabonds, it's like a just bunch rich of people gambling, bougie, bougie rich people. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So great, great stuff. Uh, Coco, so, yes. so yeah, a bit ago, but the, we want to want to yeah. talk about it. Absolutely. More Disney stuff because well we're, we're contractually obligated to talk about it. So. Absolutely, all, uh, uh, all Disney all the time. That's what we say. <laughs> yeah, and again. And again, five stars. I want to point point that out. We give it a five star five rating, stars, despite the fact that we don't give stars. And we've we've talked many times about how star ratings star are, are the terrible. worst thing that ever happened to film criticism. Yep. Um, um, however, this check from the no, 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 wait, wait. Hmm. It's 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 star ratings and lights, camera, Jackson. It's like mm. worst things that ever happened to film criticism. <laughs> my God! Oh my God! But as did you're you saying, s- we do have this check did, here. Did you see his fucking Pixar ratings? You told you showed me that, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah. did. You showed me those. Mm-hmm. Guess what? Coco's below. Cars three. <laughs> I was like Captain Underpants. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite Pixar movie is Captain Underpants. I know that's not a Pixar movie, but I'm Lights Camera Jackson. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, Coco is uh, about uh, Mexicans. Finally. Um, <laughs> Kim showed me this big I think it was a reddit post but it was about like it was was about uh, the uh, the track of track record for Pixar movies and it's like what if toys had feelings what if robots had feelings it's like 2017 what if Mexicans had feelings you son of a bitch (laughs) I didn't come up with it but uh but yeah, no, I mean it's about it's about a uh, a young uh, child in Mexico who most children are young. Yes, uh, <laughs> it's about a child in Mexico who is, really loves music, and because of a uh, shaky lineage of of deadbeat fathers uh, who really love music, his family has now 
is are now a musicless family. So it's uh, sort of like a star-crossed lover story, but his love is playing the guitar. Um, and then by some by stealing a guitar of the dead, he now finds himself cursed and trapped in the land of the dead, and he has to get out. Right? I think I did it. He did it. That's. I mean, that's, yeah. that's it. Um, yeah. This is a. I mean. I, I remember back when this was just announced as like Pixar's De, La, De Los Muertos film, and that's all I knew about it, and it just sounded really interesting. But uh, of course, uh, I should have known Pixar cannot; they they aren't going to touch a subject without fundamentally making it about the beauty of art, the importance of family, uh, legacy, memory, um, you know. Kid stuff. Yeah. No, I, I love this. I love this movie so much. No, I mean, I was, <laughs> was going to say, I was like, I think this is top shelf Pixar. No, it's uh, it's it's at least, uh, and I decided, I because uh, uh, I saw it with, with Kelsey, and afterwards she's like, okay, so would this make your top five? I'm like, absolutely. She's like, okay, what would you kick out of your current? Because we've like kind of. Oh, you've already been discussing on, your top five. Yeah, we, we, we had discussed our like top five Pixar before. And, oh, top uh, five Pixar. Okay, I thought you were top, top, five, top five, like 2017. No, Pixar movies. Um, and she's like, "What would kick out?" And I'm like, "Toy Story 3 She's like, "Really?" And I'm like, "Yeah." It's uh, you know, as much as I love Toy Story three, I have to admit that a lot of it is driven by nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that it's not a great movie; I, I still love it. But like, it's uh, Coco seems so, I, I guess, fundamentally more meaningful to. I don't know. To, it. it to anyone aspiring to create things or to, you know, again, it's, it's also kind of like actually star Wars. It's like the film's about a struggle to transcend a fam, a familial legacy. Yeah. And the way that it was able to stress both the importance of, you know, expressing yourself through art, but also not forgetting and how those things, you know, not forgetting your past and how those two things are actually deeply fundamentally intertwined was just it was a, it was an idea that i haven't seen explored thoroughly in most films made for adults that concern art and artists um i don't know how they did it in a way that's digestible to kids and adults alike um but they did it very successfully in in my opinion um yeah i mean i agree with everything you said um and this is this is all that and more with a with a climactic scene that absolutely just killed me. Oh my god! Did uh, you, I mean, I I cried. Yeah, I cried a lot. Okay. Yeah, no, I cried. I cried a, a good amount. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, cool. Yeah, I. Um, yeah, it, it was no that I mean just playing the guitar to to Grandma Coco. I'm like, oh my god! And here's the thing too, like. I saw I saw the movies like Big Twist coming a mile away. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much from not... pretty much from the beginning when they didn't show the face. I'm like, okay, either right. he is or he isn't. There, there'd be no reason to not have that. I mean, it okay. It proves that the mother was so hurt that she ripped his face out. But like, yeah, <laughs> c- c- come on, we know that there's something more to it. Yeah, exactly. But um, and, and that didn't. I'll say two butts. Two butts here. Two One butts. butt is Whoa. that didn't hurt my enjoyment of the movie. Oddly right. enough. Yeah. Uh, even seeing where this was going. Second, I was kind of hoping for a more complex t- 
take on the character because the whole time already having this in mind I'm thinking like oh okay wow this is great he thinks his he thinks his great great grandfather is this amazing famous songwriter but it's going to turn out that his great grandfather is just this some bum right yeah who, left, who, yeah. who walked out on his family because you know he wanted to be famous and never never accomplished it Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was, and to me, I was really setting up for him sort of having to, to reckon with this idea of, you know, of, you know, not hagiographic take that he had, you know, mm-hmm. on his, on his, uh, on his great grandfather. Um, instead they went like a really like absolution route where they're yeah. like, actually, no, his father was, his great grandfather was super awesome and totally cool. Um, which is again a similar criticism that I just lobbed at uh, Star Wars: The Last Jedi, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's 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 true that it it kind of is it, you know it, it gives him. I think that it's not so. I don't think that's super egregious. Although I'm kind of with you, I think that that would be a more interesting conflict to explore. Yeah, where think- like like. And you my know, main problem with it, I want to want to state before you go on, is that sure, sure, it sure. kind of bends over backwards to let his father off the hook. You know, like yeah. it goes through all these hoops, all these different plot twists. Like, oh, his he was actually I, the main songwriter the entire I, time, and I didn't he was actually killed. Do, I didn't actually do anything wrong. Yeah, and then, and then even the thing that he did do wrong, which was walk out on his family, kind of gets forgiven. You know, right? And yeah, like it, it kind of downplays this idea that. Um, you know, good people can still make bad decisions or can yeah, still and not be things. amazing people. Yeah. yeah. Right. Or, or hell, like even, even if they are fundamentally nice people, like maybe they're not star musician, like maybe they're not, you know, the, the most established, you know, songwriters in history. Yeah. Maybe, they're, maybe um, they are capable of failure, you know, maybe, maybe, um, uh, you know, uh, maybe you have to come terms with the fact that you don't have this um you know family legacy of of greatness that you're so sure is passed down onto you maybe you have to create your destiny for yourself like Like star wars star wars Um, and and also too the a thing that to me makes so well i mean okay it made a little bit of sense i forgot about that it made a, a little bit of sense but still it still struck me as odd that even after he like absolved his his father his great grandfather like personally finding out the truth, it wasn't enough because now that the the living world has to know the truth, and so they they learned it and now it's suddenly his family that's really famous for music and everything, and I'm like wait, and then the only the only explanation they had was that they found notes with those right, song lyrics right. like yeah, letters to yeah. those song lyrics that he wrote to his his da- his uh, daughter Coco, mm-hmm. and I'm like. That doesn't. I mean, that's something, but it really doesn't prove everything. So, I mean, like the film, like yeah. I said, it kind of went out of its way to absolve the great grandfather, and that was something. That was a problem I had with it. Honestly, though, yeah. if if uh, like, I if I turned around and Kim was holding the Blu-ray of Coco, I'd be like, "All right, we're putting this on." We're putting it on, right? I um, I'll say two things. Uh, one in agreement with you. One that I will kind of it will kind of be me being an apologist for the film a bit. Okay. Yeah, not sure. to say not to say it's not a bit of it's not still a bit of a problem. But uh, one is I I do wish that they you know they didn't pr- like tie it up so nicely in a bow. Like 
maybe this family's piece of like honestly i want the family in and of themselves in this insular world to i i want you know uh i want hector the uh the the true writer of the songs to be vindicated in that family i'm okay with it if, if they you know this generations long grudge is forgiven pretty quickly yeah but what if they had to come to terms with like still living in this world where uh dela cruz is still this like idolized beloved pop star, you know this beloved singer songwriter in uh in you know mexican history and like there's nothing that they can do about that it, it, but they have this like solace within their own family at least because I feel like the, the film went a long way to say, like, you know, fame is illusory. Fame isn't shouldn't be the end goal. It's it's it it's corrosive. It doesn't actually uh, speak anything true about, you know, family or who you are as a person. Um, so there, there's that. I wish I agree with you. I wish it wasn't that neat in terms, though, of like sort of, you know, giving him this legacy at the end of, 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 you know, still his, his grandpa, his great grandpa or, you know, great, great grandpa was this wonderful songwriter. Mm-hmm. I think that while that does seem convenient, I do think that it's important that this notion of art is intertwined with his family because the whole film posits them as naturally conflicting elements in Miguel, the boy's uh, life. Yeah. Um, which I thought was interesting because a lot of films have done this before. And the, the, the goal or the, sorry, the, uh, the message at the end is always, Oh, the family was just wrong. Um, you were right. You just need to be yourself. And you know what? Your family is just holding you back and you, j- they just need to learn that you're your own person, all that. And one way that this film does take a really, um, measured approach. It, it, it takes a very different approach in that it views those two elements as um, completely intertwined. They cannot be separated. Your your family reflects who you are, and that reflects the art that you make. So, at the end of the day, I think that the the way to resolve the story satisf- in a satisfactory way was to ultimately reconcile family and music. So having Hector be the true songwriter, I think logically, it, yeah, it does seem a bit more convenient. Yes, it would have been interesting to, to see uh, Miguel have to kind of deal with a lack of precedent in his family and still pursue music like that would have been cool. I just I don't think that was fundamentally the story they were telling here. Yeah. And, and I've always said and that's the thing I say. That, so I always say that. The we don't movie want to that you, criticize it for not being the movie we wanted. It the to. movie you wanted. Oh, you would have rather it been this movie. It's like fuck you. Who are yeah. you? Yeah. So like, I would I would have more of a problem with that if I think it flew in. If I thought it flew in the face of the story they were telling, but I don't mm-hmm. think it did. I think it reinforced it. So no. And as I said, the only real problem I had was that the movie seemed to bend over backwards to do it. Like it kind yeah, of yeah, jumped through okay. hoops that it wouldn't have had to do otherwise. And yeah, I, I was entertained the whole way. So you know. Cool. Yeah, no, I, I uh, and I definitely hear what you're saying. And I, I, to a certain extent, do agree with it. Um, like, I don't know, there's there's so much to praise here from the. I mean, a from the from the 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 story and the, you know, how it deals with complex ideas in a in, in a way that kind of reminded me of Inside Out, where you make these, you know, 
kind of difficult, you know, d- difficult realities and very adult conflicts palatable to like a, a child in, in, in a way that also doesn't feel condescending or basic, you know, or, or overly reductive to adults. Um, uh, but also like, I mean, even just like going pure surface level here, this is a fucking gorgeous movie. Yeah, no, and that's just sort of I, the same thing we were saying about like about, about Star Wars. About it's Star like, Wars, I do have very similar. T- these are I'm really positive on both these movies. So and I've I, said I've said a thousand times too. There's oftentimes there's the difference between the best animated movie and the best animated movie with a hyphen uh-huh, and without yeah. a hyphen. Yeah. And this is both this year. So yeah, it, it just looks gorgeous the entire way. It's a, it's a it's a sight to behold. There is sure. a uh, the, the the one part of the pre movie. Um, show that I didn't mind because it certainly it wasn't that, Olaf's Frozen Adventure. Fuck that Frozen short up and down the street. I hate it. That is awful. Um, I don't care. I know it's. I just I imagine that, you fuck Olaf up and down a street. <laughs> we told them of my secret fantasies. Um, Mike Snowman rape. <laughs> uh, editing exists for a reason, right? Um, <laughs> Um, that's gonna be in the end. That's gonna be in the final edit, isn't it? I don't know. Uh, baby, it does. I don't know. Depends how how you're feeling. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the one part I actually didn't mind uh, before the film started was the uh, little. Um, you know they've been doing this with with big films now, where they go like, you know, hey, we're the people who worked on this movie. Thank you so much, and you know all that. And like, you know, I feel like most of the time the audience like, you know, rolls their eyes. But I think it's nice to like know who's making your fucking movie before yeah. you watch it. And like, you know, those people work really damn hard. They deserve more than just like names in a series of credits that you know everyone leaves the theater during. Like, you know, I'm cool with it. But in particular, this one talked about the rendering process for the city of the dead in particular this one just pan it's not panoramic shot but it's like just this sweeping like like wide shot of these all these like spires of the city so much detail so much color um just one of the most jaw-dropping shots of the year despite being animated um like man i i thought it was cool seeing the work a bit a little bit of the work that went into that shot just that little moment of film um i was i you know i appreciate that they put that in there um because honestly i know that's not any bearing on the the quality of the film itself but just mm. uh, man I, I am just I, especially in a year where i feel like it was kind of lowest common denominator for production design or for character design in movies uh in animated movies in particular yeah it was like especially animated um, movies <laughs> especially animated movies um uh, man this was just a breath of fresh air to see so much effort put into how this world looks and feels um and just the imagination that goes into it the bridge of uh leaves the, the of a plant that I'm, I'm i'm forgetting the actual tree but it's the the tree that's supposed to connect the the spirit world with the human world in uh in the myth of de, la, de, la, de los muertos um that's the they, they have a bridge of these leaves that tr- you know takes you to the spirit world um the the design of the characters who are the the dead characters um great the 
uh, I don't know. And uh, just, the, I don't know, this felt like a fully rendered, fully fleshed out world that we only got like a small little peek into. And I felt like there's just so much. It's always nice when you feel like there's just a, an entire milieu beyond beyond what you're experiencing it just i don't know it was a it was a that in and of itself was a brilliant artistic creation um yeah i don't know no i mean i i you know i know we kind of like have blown through this more quickly than we did say star wars but uh, um i I don't know what else can i can i can i just highlight if if we're not going to go too too much conceptually more um and just say see this see both these fucking movies um can i just i just want to highlight one little scene that is very easy to pass over um i saw i i I saw another uh uh doug doug walker on uh that guy with the glasses um he's the he does the nostalgic critic reviews but he he made a similar observation so i don't want to uh i just i i'm kind of you know he kind of made me realize this but it's a i just want to um, you know, repeat it here just because it is a really nice moment. It's where uh, you first understand, you, you learn that once the people, the denizens of the the, the dead city, uh, once they're forgotten by living relatives, mm-hmm. they they basically cease to exist, even in this afterlife. Yeah. Um. And the first character you see to this for, that this happens to is. And maybe the only, I don't remember. Um, I think the only one, yeah. I think it's the only one. But he's just this, this, uh, you know, this man in a, well, dead man, in a uh, in a hammock. And he's, you know, very weak. He's resting. And uh, he, you know, Hec- um, Hector, the, uh, the true songwriter, he, th- their friends, they kind of live in this hovel together. And as his, like, last request, as he's fading, he, uh, you know, wants Hector to, it's for, he's going to give Hector his guitar, but first he wants him to sing him, uh, sing him a song. Mm. And the way that moment plays out, is very interesting because in another movie that probably would have been a very, I mean, borderline saccharine moment where like he would have played some, played something like remember me, something very wistful and sad. But what the, what Hector ends up playing is, this like kind of almost like a dirty crude bar song, <laughs> but in like, he's clearly solemn. Like it's, 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 it's like bittersweet, but it's yeah. funny, but it's like, it's this funny little joke and him and the old man share this laugh between them right before he disappears. And he kind of like, kind of goes a bit more in peace that way. And I just love how they played it as more of a like final, like a, a, a final dirty laugh between friends as opposed to like this this heavy emotional moment um no that's very, that, that was nice yeah it was I, very, I will say about that whole like permanent death thing yeah doesn't make a whole lot of sense does well, it well i don't know that it doesn't make a whole lot of sense but goddamn is that dark <laughs> oh, it, oh it is dark like is it, and they it, never really like soften that blow they just sort of leave that there and the, the yeah, ending yeah. thing is like yeah that would have sucked <laughs> a good thing that didn't happen to us. Sorry about that. Didn't, that didn't happen to me. It just happened to that sad guy. By the way, thematically, it's very important. I didn't mean that doesn't make sense. So, like, well, why would ghosts die again? No, that's not what I mean. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I get when it. I said it doesn't make sense, I just meant like literally. And this is like very. I don't really understand the rules for that. Like, does it have to be? 
someone because they kind of seemed like it was someone who knew the person in life. So technically it would happen to every single ghost as soon as anyone who knew them while they were alive died. Well, as soon as everyone, that's what it is. If no one on earth still remembers you, you die permanently. No, I know. But like Hector, right. He was going to, he was going to fade away because mama Coco was forgetting him. Yep. Um, And this, you know, spoilers, this, well, okay, I'll be vague, but basically she remembers ultimately. And, um, uh, so, but once mama Coco dies, wouldn't that then be everyone who remembered him? It's true. Yeah. Because I mean, you know, they sort of only, well, no, 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 because they have the picture on the ofrenda. Okay. So it's kind of like a family yeah, that, that's what I meant by the rules weren't very clear to me. That's the only thing that doesn't make sense. I understand what thematically that, mm-hmm. sim- like what the significance is. I just wasn't entirely clear on the rules. I'm still not really, but yeah, whatever. no, that's okay. It's, it's not really important at all. I ultimately just, inconsequential. Yeah, ultimately but. inconsequential. I'm just I, I'm picking nits because it's a great movie. Um, I really do think it's like top tier Pixar, one of my five favorites at least. Um, there's no way on this earth or another that this is not going to win best animated feature. So I now have a pick for least exciting race. Uh, yeah, at least you have a guaranteed one correct prediction at the Oscars this year. If you, what if you're wrong? What if, what if it doesn't happen? Oh God. (laughs) We've done this before. We have. Yeah, yeah, we we have. To, to the point where our, our we were so confident last year, and then they announced it, and it was the one that we had picked, and then they got it wrong. Yeah, that happened. I think the fact that that happened, uh, nothing is certain anymore. For all we know, it's going to be the fucking emoji movie. <laughs> no, it wouldn't even be nominated. That's going to win. Well, well. We have a write-in winner. Here's the thing. Is it going to be not... Like, can you imagine? Because of the, the lack of fucking... No, because it's it's up to five. That's right. It has to get enough votes. Yeah, the animated feature race is up to five. So okay, it does but you not know what? have to be... You know what? Given the fucking voting trends of the Academy, they would probably just be like, my child took me to see this. It was one of the five animated movies I saw this year. I dominate <laughs> the emoji movie. <laughs> oh, God. I That would be... That would just, be amazing. I know. Just imagine. Okay, emoji movie for best animated feature, and then mother for best picture. Imagine, imagine uh, the general audiences that will sprint away from the Oscars this year. Oh my god! I, I, the, I, I mean, remember when people flipped out so much that Suicide Squad was an Academy Award nominated superhero <laughs> movie, and then it won. and then that it was an Academy Award winning superhero movie. Uh huh. Yeah. Imagine imagine the fallout from this. I am you know what? I am now hoping. I never thought I'd say. It. I was ho- I am hoping that we get Academy Award nominated film the emoji movie. <laughs> that... Oh god. Please no. <laughs> oh, so I mean that's our show. Um hopefully next week we'll review uh Three Billboards Outside Synecdoche, New York. Um or another movie, I suppose. I've seen a lot uh, I'm it's actually on James's Quest to 100. I'm at 90. I'm going to be a 91 tomorrow. So, have, you seen, um, have you seen Call Me By Your Name yet? No, it hasn't been playing anywhere near me. No, I mean, actually, I mean, there's like one showing uh, like on Thursday. 
but like that's it i'm really struggling here so um i saw the disaster artist so that's an option as well yeah yeah okay cool um we will make it work um like we always do i'm sure it'll be three billboards and uh disaster artists i just have a feeling but you know we're, so, we're working we're working on it i mean hey if you want to binge twin peaks with me um can <laughs> yeah follow mike's it. quest to finish twin peaks and see if it's worthy of its top 10 list <laughs> yep like it is for everybody else's apparently number one on kaye du cinema although you know fucking split is on that list yeah I, mean, I mean i enjoyed split i still i still unabashedly think it's worth seeing but yeah. ten, top 10 of the year get the fuck out of here <laughs> Uh, yes, yeah, so that's why we love. That's why follow we love. me on follow me on Twitter at Jam Cozy. Uh, talking to the movies on Facebook, and actually might be on Twitter soon because they changed the the rules on how long your name can be. So talking to the movie actually fits now. Yes, um, I know. So maybe I'll I'll revive that. They changed all the rules, the didn't they? What was that? They changed all the rules, didn't they? they? Changed all the rules. Yeah, it's two hundred eighty characters now, baby. Fuck yeah. Um, <laughs> follow Mike. Uh, oh yeah, follow also Mike. me on Letterboxd, uh, Flying Dad Bomb, or just James Cozenides. Follow me on Twitter at MichaelLyden892 and uh, all the other talking during the movie stuff that James already said and uh, Letterboxd at Director Lydon. Yeah, and at some point he's going to update it from the Logan review he posted. I mean, hey, I really like Logan, all right? <laughs> it's the only... Is it, can't they just be the movie? Like, that's just the one movie. That's, that's, that's it. That's the one. That's it. Yeah, I believe it. Okay, well, it was a great show this week. It's going to be a great show next week. And as always, thank you for listening. And may the force be with you. Boom! Did it.